May 21st is World Day for Cultural Diversity for Dialogue and Development. Hi, I'm Reduine. How are you? I'm your friendly neighborhood widow. In observance of this day, I hosted a panel of four guests, two intercultural, interreligious, interracial couples who sat down with me and talked self-development, diversity, inclusion, our personal relationships to our communities, a little bit of grief, and a little bit of widowhood. Please listen to part one to get to know our panelists. So before we get started, turn up your volume for the reading of the warning label. Warning! Subscribing to this podcast can expose you to segments and conversations about love, loss, physical and emotional abuse, mental health, and resilience. This podcast contains raw and unfiltered thoughts and feelings from a domestic violence surviving widow. The side effects may be unexpected anger, inspiration, self-esteem boost, and laughter so strong you may pee your pants. An open mind and a change of undergarments are suggested, but not required. And if you need to, please consult a therapist before listening. Thanks for joining. So on the panel, we have Alexi, Alexei Vieru, who's Alex is an entrepreneur. He's from Moldova. He's born in Eastern Europe. And then we have Carla Montesinos. Carla is a hospitality professional. She's from Mexico in South America. I don't know how to say Julian's last name, so God, please help me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it, think of a door. It's a door. Oh, okay. I wouldn't would have said it like that. Julian Sador. <laughs> Julian's a news anchor for the ABC affiliate in Salisbury, Maryland. Did I say this right? Close enough. Salisbury. Salis- damn. Salisbury. Salisbury. Maryland. <laughs> Maryland. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Okay, you got so, the right twang, Randy. <laughs> Julian, I mean, is, well, Randy's also a local. Y'all locals, I don't know. But Julian <laughs> is multiracial and multicultural. Julian, what did you say again? What was your quote that you sent me? Like, what you said something about your um, your background? Oh, about being multicultural. Yeah. Um, I mean, I consider myself not just multiracial but multicultural because I grew up with Japanese. Uh, African-American, traditional American culture. So I consider myself multicultural as well. And Jewish-American. That, that just so much flavor in one person. <laughs> like it, get, it gets messy sometimes, but... Oh my God. Who's <laughs> the holidays must be great. Dude, do you look forward to a seven-year-old from Julian and Carla that has to explain this like seven in class? Like, well... <laughs> <laughs> this, I know there's eight flags here on my project. <laughs> like our kid is gonna ask for extra extra time for any project. Anything They're gonna think our kid is extra, trying to get extra credit. It's like, it's like no, I no, promise I'm not true. lying. Please give these give these children three letter names because they already have so many other things to remember. <laughs> Three letters and two numbers for two Please. <laughs> And obviously, joining us back, female trucker, entrepreneur from Gabon, Randy Vieru. Welcome back, sis. Thanks. Randy was my first guest. It was kind of exciting. Y'all, when Randy came to record that episode, she had a cold. She may have had the first phase of corona, but I'm not the one to put it out there. I think so, too, but I like wow. said that I didn't make it. Moving on. I am your facilitator. My name's Ludwin, you know that. I'm your friendly neighborhood widow. I'm from Central Africa, 
Randy and I are born in, in Libreville, Gabon. I don't think that anybody who's listening now knows the relationship here, but Julian and Carla are in a relationship and Randy and Alex are in a relationship that I call and I consider interracial intercultural relationship. And I am a widow from a intercultural interracial relationship. My spouse was from central Illinois. Um, some of his family was from Newport, Illinois, and the other half of his family was from Monroe, Wisconsin. Not a lot of people from Gabon up there. It was a huge culture shock. Let's take a pause here. In this first episode, my guests answer the question, what was it like growing up in your home? Alex invites us into his childhood memories of growing up in Moldova with his parents and his brothers in a rural setting. His wife, Randy, enlightens me to a different perspective of our childhood, seen from her experience and her eyes, which you'll see will differ from mine. Although we share a lot of memories, Carla gives us a little taste of what it's like to grow up in a home from parents immigrant from Mexico, raising children in the United States. And her boyfriend, Julian, takes us into a multicultural home with a dad of Russian descent and Jewish, and a mother who is half African-American and half Japanese. This episode brings you into their intimate memories of childhood in these very diverse settings. Cultivated is an episode that will allow you to understand my guest. It'll allow you to know where they come from so that you can fully understand where they come from. Being part of this episode and getting an opportunity to listen to it back has really helped me understand who these people are at the core and what truly drives them. And this exchange has helped me understand their compassion, their passion, and in some cases, why they're high strong. You'll enjoy this. Since our episode is about cultural diversity, inclusion, I'm going to give the floor to all of you. And we're going to start with the guy that's from the furthest place in the world, a place that not a lot of people hear about, right, Alec? What do people say when you say you're from Moldova? Maldives? <laughs> Mal- Malaysia? What? Malaysia? <laughs> uh, there, are, there are very few people who actually know about it. Uh, I met a guy back when we were doing decks in Maryland. I met a guy and I was already used to it when I say, well, I'm from Moldova and People are like, oh, okay, Some, someone pretends that they know what it is, even though it's okay if you don't know. And then that guy was like, oh, you have great wines over there. I was shocked. I was like, really? You know about Moldova? And then I met a couple, couple more throughout the year. So there's someone who knows about it. Actually, I had no idea when Randy was like, he's from Moldova. And I was like, uh-huh. I just remember that you spoke you spoke Russian or you spoke Romanian. I, now I can't even remember anymore. And I was like, cool, Eastern Europe, he speaks Russian, that's fine. And when I met you and I was like, bro, he's just Russian, that's fine. We just say that, <laughs> but you're not. Tell us what it's like, how does, you're from Brendan, right? Did I say your city, right? Bindir, the city is called Bindir. I spent okay. some time over there. And um, when you asked me that other time where you're from, like, I guess, that was the biggest city where I spent time in my childhood was, so I said it. And the other one, the name is even more complicated, so that's why. I grew up in the village in Moldova. I guess my parents, you can call them farmers, although it was happening at a very, very 
little level. We weren't. It's it's not like we had a hundred pigs or something like that. Would have one pig, one cow, like ten geese, some ducks. That's how I grew up. We, you know, there was a lot of work when I was a child, and then we learned how to have a lot of fun while doing it. That's actually really cool. I just learned something new about you. You know, I'm actually the youngest in the family, and I have two older brothers and they're a lot older than me the, the age difference is nine and 17 years in between us and then because of that obviously my parents are pretty advanced in the age as well and um, if when it comes to something new they're very cautious about it so, <laughs> Um, we grew up like that, and it was, you know, the age when I grew up was the was the time when it, internet appeared and mobile phones and everything. And it was a little bit old, you know, it was a little bit harder with older parents and living in the village. But I, um, I guess I made it. I'm I'm speaking on the phone on the internet with you now, so don't forget. <laughs> you said I guess I made it. <laughs> yeah, but all together. Uh, I I was thinking about it the other day and spending the childhood and I mean the first years of my life spending in Moldova I think is the, absolutely the best place for it because over there I learned the things that I I wouldn't be able to learn somewhere else you know living on a farm knowing how everything grows getting used with work and you know acquiring that work ethic uh, I think it just was you know perfect time perfect place for me. I absolutely love it and appreciate it. Ah, I want to tell your mom that. I'm going to send her that quote. I, I absolutely love it and appreciate it with your picture on it. But like Alex said that. Randy will translate it for us. Yeah, she will. So I got to spend one thing that's very meaningful in my post-traumatic growth is the time that I got to spend. I spent an exact, exactly a year, I think, in Carla's home. So I've gotten a chance to kind of see family dynamics, but I, I haven't experienced it as Carla. But if my childhood in Carla's home, it wasn't childhood. It was, I was a little old, but it was great. You know, mm -hmm. if, I, if I had to pe speak on her behalf, I'd be like, our parents were wonderful. They, said, they fed me cinnamon. <laughs> they made me cocoa with cinnamon in it. But I don't know how it was for you, Carla. Growing up? Uh-huh. As Mexican? I don't know. As Carla. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's certainly challenging. I mean, it has its challenges because my parents immigrated to the United States. So not only was I Mexican, but then I was a Mexican immigrant trying to make it through. So it was challenging, but my parents always found a way to give us everything that they could. And with whatever little that they could give us, they just made the most out of it. So we had our good moments. Yeah. But, you know, my dad always makes sure that if you come over, you eat three plates of food because that's tradition. Like, if you didn't eat three plates, you, you didn't eat enough. <laughs> and um, my mom's the same way. She loves to feed people. They think that by feeding people, that's them showing you love. And if you don't eat, it's disrespectful. So you better eat. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing in Moldova, but over there you have to drink. It That's part of the reason why I gained weight when I first started dating. 
I know. My dad would always, like, when Julian would come over, my dad would, like, be like, get him a plate. Get him a drink. Like, why are you not serving it, this it's, man? It's not, it's not just get him a plate. It, it's when you're done, he's like, oh, he's still hungry. It's like, no, I ate the plate. I ate the plate. Why do I, <laughs> why do I eat even more? <laughs> I think that's where it's, like, where it's different between my parents and I because Mexican women, they serve men. It's like, I'm here to, like, don't even sip out of this straw. Let me hold the cup for you so that you don't, like, lift the finger. So my dad, watching me not get a plate for Julian or, like, not get his drink, that was unusual for him. It's like, what kind of woman are you? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of woman have I raised? And, and, and here I am, like, sitting down, like, I, I, can, I can get it. I can, I, I can do it. <laughs> yeah, because Julian's awkwardly sitting there, like... Oh, I can get my own drink, but my dad expects me to get his drink. Oh, that's perfect. But it was obviously because it was, so I love that because for your dad, it's like, what's going on? But for Julian, that's normal. You're like, I can get it. I can get it. Because yeah. your house, it's different. Especially because Carla is so fiercely independent. So to see it in a scenario where it's just like, Carla, go get him something. I'm like, who are you talking to? Carla doesn't, Carla's not like that. Carla doesn't get me anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping score of the cookie points, by the way. Julian just scored one cookie point. He said Carla is so fiercely independent. Let's go. Hello. Y'all yeah. trying to get Alex in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> Julian. Yeah. Oh, babe, we're losing. Walk into my office. Tell us about your childhood. So I, I think my childhood, um, I think like most children, you don't really realize that you're different until you start to get to uh, maybe it's like nine, ten years old. Um, maybe even like eight. I, I thought that my, I didn't know anything different. You know, you grow up and, and so you think your family is your family. Uh, and then you start to see the cultural differences when you go to school and you're bringing lunch. And so um, my mom would pack me a bento box, which, you know, would have onigiri, which is a rice ball, um, Japanese snacks. I'd have, you know, seaweed and, and weird things. And I didn't know there was, that people didn't eat this stuff. And I remember getting weird looks at lunchtimes, like, why do you have that? I'm like, oh, my mom's Japanese. Like, this is a rice ball. And they're like, what's a rice ball? Uh, and so, you know, there was a little bit of shame after I realized that nobody else had that type of stuff. Um, but I, as I grew up, I kind of realized that my childhood was shaped by so many different influences. My mom grew up in Japan, but her family is from, from Georgia originally, moved to Michigan. Um, and so they are a Bible thumping black family. <laughs> so there was the influence of that on her. There was the influence of the Japanese stoic. This is the way Japanese culture is. And then my dad is, you know, if you could pick the loving Jewish uh, dad from a sitcom, that's him. <laughs> so whereas my mom didn't say I love you growing up, my dad was like, oh, let me give you a hug. Like, oh, is, oh. is there anything you need? And, you know, it would always be like, oh. If he's sick, it's like, my dad's like, he has to go to the hospital where my mom's like, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Let me cry it out. He'll be okay. And salt um, So I, I had all these different cultures and, um, you know, I just, I, I came to appreciate them. And I think it's made me more well-rounded and actually really helped me in my career because it, I feel like I just allows me to understand a bunch of different backgrounds and be open to different experiences yeah. because I grew up with all of them mixed together. Fair. That's, that's so incredible. And it's funny. I never, you just said that, like, I didn't realize that people didn't eat that stuff. That's so real though. 
you know, I had to prep my husband to come to my house. I was like, we're going there for Thanksgiving. I know you're thinking you're going to Thanksgiving, but this, let, let me explain this to you. You're <laughs> like, first of all, when we park, it's going to start smelling weird because our food doesn't just, the smells and stay. You make mashed potatoes, you can only smell it in the kitchen. You go in the living room, it smells like the, light, the lit candle. We need to have tiki torches outside with lemongrass so the neighbors can't smell their real pungence. Uh, is that why you have the tiki things outside, Ludwig? I mean, you just got to protect your neighborhood. You don't want HOA to go up because you're cooking African food, okay? But it's a whole conversation, you know? Like, Randy will tell you. Like, Randy, talk about, because, like, Randy, talk about your childhood. Because I can talk about this whole food prepping your boyfriend thing to meet your parents all day. I had a pretty awesome childhood. Growing up in Libreville, Gabon, it was really nice. It was the simple life. I think that, like, Julian was saying, you don't really realize how different you are until you meet others. But for me, the difference was that I didn't realize how precious family time was until I came here. I remember growing up and I guess our family was middle class. We lived on an Air Force base. So there were a lot of um, perks and privileges that we had that a lot of other families didn't. But at the same time, because we were a military family, there were a lot of things that we weren't allowed to do or that we couldn't afford to do. And so growing up, I went to a French school or French international school. So within the Gabonese um, school system, you can have different cultural influences and one of them being that my parents or our parents since you're here um our parents <laughs> would send us to get the best education and that in in this case was the french education and i remember um growing up waking up in the morning during the school week and all of our school taxi money would be laid out on the table and I remember like our parents would go to sleep before going to bed. My mom and my dad would just like place down the <laughs> the money for the taxi. And then it would go from my from our older brothers who would be going the furthest um, and needed lunch money to, to me who was about seven or eight years old taking the taxi by herself to go to school. So that was me, like that was little me. And I wasn't the only kid like, you wake up, you get your money, you get your little coins. Maybe you have like, it's like about a dollar. And then <laughs> you go to the, to the entrance of the base and no one would do anything because you have a whole bunch of armed men. Like no one's going to take you. So you get on the taxi, you go to school. Like to me, that was a normal thing. There was no school bus. There was no, uh, I don't know, like pickup carpooling or anything like that. Sometimes there was. Anyways. Um, and then on the weekends, it would be meeting with the family. So it was either at our house, our grandma's house, or if it was a holiday and we had a long weekend, we would go to the beach. Like th that for me was life. It was great. You go to school, you get your little coins, maybe you see your grandma during the week for lunch. And then on the weekend, it's like party for all. So to me, that was like the best way growing up. And Alex and I were thinking about it and we we're like, dang, we had some really dope childhoods. Like thinking back, <laughs> we're like, what are our kids going to be doing? Not going to be as fun as us, but it's, 
it, it was definitely a great way. It was a great childhood, and I kind of miss it. It was nice. It was nice, Randy. It's funny because I didn't forget about the coins, but you, like, tugged at my heart just right there, talking about the little pile of coins. Right? And what Randy isn't saying right now, our childhood was busy and loud. We it are eight lit. kids. We are eight kids, just us. But my parents, my mom, <laughs> good woman, yes. our mother is a nurse. And that nurturing culture, that nurturing in her, she can't turn that off. So she had eight kids, but she had an additional seven to nine foster kids. So we lived this, what looked on the outside, lavish life, because you see this beautiful, comfortable home on the military base. Then you open the door, and it's like the Brady Bunch times two. And we're just like all running around, you know, like being a little wild. So when she talks about that pile of coins, she's talking about, you know, like up to 30 bucks, you know, in, in like quarters or dime, like lined up, you know, for like eight to, you know, 12, 14 kids, whichever kids are going to school at that time. But then at home, you may have four or five toddlers left behind with a couple maids. So when I, we, when I tell people we had maids, they're thinking like America, you know, they're thinking like y'all had maids. And I'm like, well, we had a couple 17 year olds that were also immigrants for other, from other countries whose job was to take care of five to seven toddlers in a house. I mean, imagine that. And, you know, like here there's a working age and things like that. And when we grew up working age, like that stuff didn't really exist. We're thankful to be from parents who are educated enough to understand that you shouldn't be overworking people. So you should have two to three maids. You should have someone who does the cooking and someone who takes care of the kids and someone who takes care of the cleaning. Like my parents were smart enough to, you know, do that. But we've gone to homes, the homes we went to on the weekend, it's the same girl. It's like, hey, come clean this. Oh, we need more glasses. The kid needs a diaper change. And like, it, it's just kind of the culture that we grew up in. I loved that we grew up without the fear of ever being taken. That didn't happen until I was, we went to that French International School, Randy talks about, and I was in, Randy, what is Sam do? What grade is that? It's fifth grade. Fifth grade. We were in fifth grade and that was the first time that we ever heard of kidnapping. And it was called the black car. And kids, there was a whole PSA and it's like, if a man calls you from a black car offering you sweet things, don't go. And then my mom's way of saying that is like, if you go near a black car, I will whoop your ass. As a matter of fact, they take you, they can keep you, whatever. You don't want to listen to me, they can keep you. That's literally how it was. But we're very much like Julian's mom. We're like, I love you. What, why are you saying that for? You know I love you. The lights are on. The coins are there in the morning. Do you have food? There's three maids in this house, two drivers. What else do you need? <laughs> Two drivers because you need to haul like it sounds lavish but you need to haul 14 kids around you need two cars you need multiple cars so you're like yeah we had four. we had a couple cars my dad was military he had cars that were assigned to him and so all of us just hop in the car and go to church imagine we were called the Madoki tribe pulling up at church but anyway that's that's what childhood was <laughs> I got carried away sorry Tune in tomorrow as we discuss intercultural, interracial dating and its learning curves. Here are some clips from that segment. But dating outside of our race was different. Our parents never talked about that. You have to, it's like mejorar la raza. So it's basically saying like, you have to make your race better. I think nobody took the time to count the black people in Moldova altogether, but uh, I bet it would have been an easy job.
is deep rooted in a very, um, very controversial moment, I guess, in my parents' life because for them, um, getting married between a white and a, a white man and a black woman was something that wasn't was starting to get more accepted, but wasn't very widely accepted when they did it um, in the late 1980s. Um, it, it, it was something that for most people you, you you didn't do if you came from, I guess, a respectable white family. Uh, you didn't you didn't mix um but i was explained that my boyfriend at the time who is alex now my husband um would not understand certain things about our culture and that i should not put so much trust in him and i should not share so much with him because he would then look down upon me and my family as a member of your culture, your story is currency towards the development of the community you're a part of. Knowing someone else's story is beyond enriching. It allows you to connect with your peers beyond the discomfort and the fear of something new or something different. By removing the emotional shackles, we get to grow and move just one step closer to acceptance and inclusion. Your Friendly Neighborhood Widow podcast is a platform that addresses the taboos. This in order to detangle the truth from the assumptions and the stigmas. Celebrate World Day for cultural diversity for dialogue and development with us by sharing this link with your friends. If you'd like to know more about our panelists, Julian and Carla, Randy and Alex, Find their information at your friendly neighborhood widow on Instagram. The next segment of the Life Diverse series will be available tomorrow at 9 a.m. We'll talk later, okay? <laughs>